0: This month, I chose a little supernatural fair in Murder Road by New York Times bestselling author Simone St. James, described as the story of a young couple that find themselves haunted by a string of gruesome murders committed along an old deserted road in this terrifying new novel. Just go to bookofthemonth.com to pick your first book and join Book of the Month. That's bookofthemonth.com, and for a limited time, you can join and get that first book for just nine ninety nine with the code chirp. That's C H I R P. Enjoy. Rainmaker FM. Hey hey hey! Welcome back to the Writer Files. I am your host, Calvin Reed, here to take you on another tour of the habits, habitats, and brands of renowned writers. In part two of this file, the recent Wallace Degner Fellow at Stanford University and acclaimed author of the award-winning short story collection Hot Little Hands, Abigail Ullman visited the show to talk about having a beer with George Saunders, the life of a traveling freelancer, and the idiosyncrasies of great writers. In addition to being both a freelance copywriter and screenwriter, the native Australian author and self-confessed gypsy has followed in the footsteps of some famous itinerant writers. At Stanford's two-year creative writing fellowship, she got the chance to study with the great Tobias Wolfe, as well as Colm Toybin, and other notable fellows uh, from the program, to name a few, have included Raymond Carver, Ken Kesey, Scott Turow, and Laurie McMurtry. Abigail's short stories invited the interest of publishers, and her first book, Hot Little Hands, went on to win a 2016 Best Young Australian Novelist Award, and is a collection of heartbreakingly tender and often darkly funny fiction. Lena Dunham called it a highly inventive collection of short fiction which hits virtually all my buttons, and Publisher's Weekly said of the book, the captivating women in this collection leave a lasting impression. In part two of this file, Abigail and I discuss how she divides her writing day and the rarity of copywriting emergencies, the autobiographical nature of writer's block, why you need to be kind to yourself, and the power of taking breaks the neurotic nature of many, many writers and why the best way to beat anxiety is to eliminate self-doubt. And if you missed that first half of this show, you can find it in the archives on Apple Podcasts and in the show notes. Thanks for listening. The Writer Files is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm studiopress. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. So do you find your most productive time then is in the morning? And then are you like turning to copywriting? Because it's like the thing, you know, the more productive thing? Or are you like getting into fiction first, first thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, unless it's like, unless there's a a copywriting emergency, which does that. (laughs) um, Yeah, usually I try to work on my creative stuff first off nice. so that can be from anywhere between like i'd say one to three hours first thing in the morning okay and then later on in the day is when i try to do my freelance and copywriting stuff um and then i and then actually i'm most creative at night so if it's a day where i can you know when i've organized it i'm going to stay home that night and if there's nothing else on um then i'm careful to like not drink alcohol so i can then return to whatever i'm working on creatively at the end of the day mm. and that's actually when i work best and i i kind of I, it's very in a way it's very undergraduate and i was i've always hoped that i would <laughs> grow out of it <laughs> because it doesn't even, you know it doesn't really work well with like just a social life and a normal sleep pattern and that kind of thing but sure. it's, it's I, I never grew out of it it definitely is like when i feel most creative and like i was saying earlier about sort of writing being kind of play. Like I feel most safe to kind of play and experiment and just write whatever comes to me at that time of day. And I think it might be something to do with like feeling like everyone's asleep and everything's really quiet and there's no one like looking over my shoulder and even my like inner critic seems to have gone to bed earlier or something. Sure. I think that's, I think it's like for me it's first thing and then last thing that those are my best writing times. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I have heard that before. Um, I think some have called it the midnight disease. There might be a whole book actually dedicated (laughs) to it, um, where you create best, uh, exactly when it's kind of quiet and nobody's bothering you really, except Trump. Um,
1: yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Can you do something about, Uh, can you like talk to your rep about him or something? Sure, sure.
0: (laughs) I'll send a tweet. Um, (laughs) so you talked about writer's block so so it sounds like uh you believe in it uh it's a thing it has happened to you um but yeah maybe you have a different definition than would be kind of like the dictionary definition
1: yeah i think that it is autobiographical for everybody if you if you do experience it so i think that Um, you know for some people I think it can be just something external in their life like if they're just having a difficult time in another area of their life it can be hard to put that aside and write particularly if you're in the middle of a project just say you're writing something that's like fast-paced and hilarious but you're feeling quite down and low and you know depressed or distracted it's kind of I think it can be pretty hard to um, yeah like re-enter the world of your creative work if your real life isn't at all aligned with it but then I also think that for me, and for maybe most people, just from my observation, I think it's to do with some kind of like fear or anxiety about the work yeah. um, that can kind of stop you from feeling like you can just, yeah, forge ahead without <laughs> worry or anxiety. So, yeah, if that makes any sense. Like, for example, um, there's like a lot of, you know, it's kind of like relationship and sex stuff in my book, including like a couple of pretty explicit sex scenes. And, like, before I published the collection, I just had a lot of fear and anxiety about putting that into the world. And I just thought, oh, everyone's going to think I'm, like, such a perv or that, like, it's autobiographical and, like, I mean, obviously, I felt brave enough to put it on the page, but I just felt really scared, you know, or at least I wanted to put it on the page for, like, you know, reasons to do with, with, like, wanting – feeling like those things were important to the story. But then when it kind of came to me thinking about it reflecting on me in real life and, like, what readers would think or people I know, then I had, like, a lot of anxiety and fear around it. So that kind of got in the way of, like, for a while of, like, being able to write those scenes or being able to edit them, and I was constantly thinking I should take them out. And, yeah, so I think – so I think everyone kind of brings, yes, an amount of fear and anxiety around about, about the work, um, yeah, to the desk. And I think that can kind of sometimes get in the way of feeling like you can do what you want and then can block you up Yeah, in my experience. Yeah. That For would be sure. my definition.
0: For sure. I think a lot of, a lot of writers run up against that very fear. Like what are, what's my family going to think about this? Um, <laughs> well, uh, okay. A couple quick ones. I know we're, um, kind of pushing our time here but uh, oh, okay.
1: you- actually can I sorry to interrupt Oh yeah, no. <laughs> can, I, can I just say something about the writers block thing? Yeah, like, please. I, think, I just think I think that the answer to that isn't to like go into therapy for like years on end <laughs> to deal with the issues that you're scared about before you can write I feel like I need to say that because I at some <laughs> point felt like not necessarily the therapy thing but I was like okay if I have these fears or I have these anxieties I have to deal with them in my life and get them out of the way before I can write do the work and like yeah. that's like a terrible idea and it really will take you like you might you may never be able to you know deal with that stuff so I, I'd say it should probably be a dual <laughs> tactic of kind of like yes yeah, dealing with whatever your anxieties are <laughs> around the work or in your life but then also just like I for me anyway it ended up just being like okay I'm gonna like sit at my desk I'm like I have to write regardless of those anxieties I just have to keep going and also the third thing is that I put a lot of those anxieties into the work um so like this second last story in my book is about a girl who can't finish her book. So she like decides to have a baby instead. And (laughs) I I didn't do that, but it was like an interesting, like what if, and it was a way to kind of like write about a character who was very stuck in the way that I was stuck. So anyway, I just wanted to put put that out there that people shouldn't, um, yeah, people shouldn't feel like they need 10 years of psychoanalysis before they can finish their book. (laughs)
0: That's great. That's a great, great uh, point. Okay. A couple quick workflow ones, uh, Mac or PC
1: mac
0: scrivener or microsoft word
1: microsoft word (laughs) do you have any do you have
0: any crazy uh organizational hacks that you can share with writers uh i know you juggle the the three different spheres of copywriting screenwriting fiction writing how do you keep it all together
1: um I'm like I'm a big fan of being kind to yourself as a writer and that only comes out of being actually someone who's like pretty hard on myself if I don't want to. I can be like a bit of a perfectionist and push myself and be kind of critical if I don't get a lot done. So as an antidote to that, I've had to work really hard on being kind to myself. So unless I have like a deadline, I'm, you know, which I sometimes do with my freelance work, but otherwise I just sit down and I think what do I feel like working on right now? And that's really nice because I mean, unless the answer is nothing, <laughs> 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 in which case then I have to be hard on myself again. But that's really nice just to be like, do I feel like working on the screenplay or do I feel like working on the fiction? And then I do that. And then I feel like once you're nice to yourself and give yourself some options, then I don't know, I feel like you kind of, I don't know, for me anyway, my, I feel like my creative brain kind of like falls in line because it's being, <laughs> it's being given an option and it's being given some leeway or something. Yeah. So that's really nice to just be like, what do I feel like working on rather than like forcing yourself to work on to work on something if you're not feeling like it um and then the other thing is just that i'm a big believer in breaks and but one hack is that like that i learned over the process of finishing my collection is that like a break can be uh, like an effective break can be very very short and, um, yeah, I used to just think, like, I'm going to take the whole afternoon off and go, or go to, and go to a museum or, like, I'm going to take a month off and go to Costa Rica <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> and now I realize, like, I can just have a shower. I can wash the dishes. I can, like, if I'm – and, like, I would roll my eyes if someone said this on a podcast, so I have to say it, like, doesn't happen often and I feel great about myself when it does, but it's, like, I'm going to do a few yoga poses, you know, like, <laughs> just, like, it doesn't yeah. – just, like, what I've learned is that the break doesn't have to be – or go for a walk or whatever, but the break doesn't have to be that long. And then the other thing is, like, if the break is solitary, um, then usually you can kind of work on your fiction or your creative project while you're doing it. So, like, yeah, that's why, like, a walk or a shower or something like that where you can, like – be, be thinking about your project or kind of not thinking about it or letting your unconscious mind do the work yeah um, I find that better than being like I'm gonna pick up the phone and call someone because it's pretty hard for me to unless I'm talking about my creative work with them it's pretty hard to kind of like be thinking about it at the same time so yeah I'd say Sorry. short breaks work and solitary breaks um, are helpful but but occasionally you do have to go to Costa Rica for a month and that's <laughs> that's okay do <too. laughs> right
0: you need the mo- <laughs> sometimes you need the month-long. Incubation of ideas in Costa Rica. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No doubt. Or
1: three years sitting at your desk crying like I did after I saw the collection. (laughs) So, yeah, whatever (laughs) works.
0: All right. Uh, How does Abigail Ullman unwind at the end of a hard day of writing?
1: Because I work, because as I keep saying, (laughs) my work is so solitary, Um, social time is really important to me. So, I think like just seeing, yeah, just going out, seeing friends. Um, I don't really I don't really entertain at home much a because like I'm a horrible cook so I can't really <laughs> make it much more than like popcorn for other people and then B because I work from home so I really like getting out of my space um yeah so I think social time is really important on the nights um, and also drink I mean like maybe this is very Australian or maybe I have a you know an a problem, but I think that drinking is kind of nice because it is just sort of like for me anyway. Like once I, um, unlike many of our, you know, writers <laughs> throughout history, but for me, I can't write once I've had a drink or two. So that's kind mm. of nice for me to be like, as soon as I have like a glass of wine or a beer, then I'm kind of like, okay, I'm not writing tonight. And there's something nice about that delineation. Um, I've just been like, now this is my social time and I'm unwinding, and uh. I'm not even going to try to write because. Because I work late at night sometimes, that can be kind of confusing. Like if I go out for dinner and come home, I could, I could always keep working. So for me, like a drink or two is a nice way to unwind and tell myself, you're definitely not going to get anything else done. Yeah. Having, having said that, the nights that I do decide, the days I do decide, okay, I'm going to put aside time first thing and then last thing, that's kind of trickier because my unwinding happens um, in between times. So, like, exercise, I guess, is, like, a good thing. But then also, like, those are the days that I'll, like, watch a couple of episodes of a TV show <laughs> on, my, <laughs> on my laptop or else, like, have a bath and read or something but without my phone in the room just so I'm kind of like, mm. okay, this is my, this is my time, um, like, to unwind. And, um, yeah, and it's, like, but it's sort of happening in between the work at the beginning and work at the end. So th- those days are a bit trickier and um, don't, don't involve alcohol. See, so, yeah, I don't have a problem. I can, I can go days without drinking. I'm <laughs> fine. I'm fine. I'm really, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: I'm glad this is good therapy for you. So <laughs> um, do you have time to talk about creativity? Yeah. Okay. I'll be fast. Can you define creativity in your own estimation?
1: I think that I'm going to be pretty earnest about this question, but just because we're going through such like sort of horrible um, political times that feel like, a very small group of people are hell bent on the destruction of a large group of people for that for that small group's gain, um, personal gain. So I guess I'd say that like to me at the moment I think of creativity. As, as just like anyone who wants to like anyone. I think it's that moment when you're moved to create something um, and or connect with other people. So that and that creation could be. Yeah, writing, you know, writing creatively or making a painting. It can also be like putting together a cool outfit or hmm. cooking something. Mm-hmm. And I even think it can be, you can use creativity in like a relationship with other people, whether that's friendship or romantic. Just, um, I think it's just that moment when you're like moved to, yeah, just sort of be constructive and connect with other people. Um, but ha- so I do think that, I do believe that thing about like that everybody is creative and can be creative. But having said that, please don't come up to me at a party and tell me that you think you have a book in you, <laughs> 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 which happens all the time. Right. Just, write, just, just write the book and then tell me about it after you have finished it. I know. Um, but yeah, that would be my sort of like kind of overly earnest um, definition of creativity.
0: Excellent. Um, you've rubbed elbows with some literary lines yourself. What do you think makes a
1: writer truly great? Um, so I had the amazing opportunity to work with the Irish writer, Colm Toybin, and that was when I was in that fellowship at Stanford, he came for, uh, the Stegner Fellowship, he came for, as a visiting writer for a semester, and, um, having observed him a little bit, I'd say that, like, I truly think that he's a genius, and one of the things I think that makes him a genius is that, like, he can be at, like, a party, um, and he can even be the life of that party, just kind of telling stories and entertaining everybody and having, like, making it, you know, making sure everyone's having an amazing time. And then the next morning, like, first thing the next morning, he can, like, drop into that creative space and a really quiet. I mean, his fiction is, you know, all of his writing, but especially his fiction is, like, pretty, it's pretty quiet um, in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, he can drop into that kind of quiet creative space and, like, just write this beautiful, sort of emotional... Fiction and he's sitting, at, and when he's sitting at that desk, I don't think he's thinking, What did I say last night? or Like, I drank too much, or Like, I told that stupid story, or somebody looked offended, or someone left early, or whatever. Like, the things that the rest of us, I think, are thinking once we you know, if we've had sort of like a big celebratory night. Um, and I think it's like being able to move between those two spaces that makes me think that, so. like, that's one, I think that's one part of just being like super great is just being able to like drop into the world of whatever you're writing um, whenever. Seemingly whenever you want to and with ease. Because, um, yeah, I, I've known writers who, like, won't go out because – won't go to a party or won't go to an event because they, it, it, like, sort of haunts them the next day, like, huh. just thinking about all of this. Because, you know, writers are, like, fortunately or unfortunately sensitive beings and you are kind of, like, <laughs> aware of the social dynamics and stuff. So, right. I, yeah, I think some writers are just, like, I don't – you know, I'm always regretting something that I said or I'm always, like, worried about something so I just don't go out. Whereas, yeah, Interesting. I think – I think it can be. I think it, I think it might be a sign of greatness if you can do both.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there the, are other
1: reasons that Colin is brilliant. That's just one of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, writers are probably also exceptionally neurotic, but neurotic. Um, maybe that the other writers are writing about them, but. Uh,
1: totally and I have to say that like yeah that was like when I couldn't finish my book I like started seeing a therapist and she said to me at one point, she was just like, "Nobody's thinking about you. Everybody's thinking about what, <laughs> what they're going to eat next and when they're going to get laid." Right. <laughs> and I was like, "It's so true. We all we're all just thinking like everyone's thinking about what I said at the party last night." Uh, like no. I was or I was like, "Everyone's like waiting for my book," and she was like, "No one's waiting for your book. You are the only one who's like being hard on yourself about it. So, right. yeah,
0: unless you see a notebook and someone scribbling while you're talking, they're probably they probably aren't.
1: Have you seen remember. that? <laughs> <laughs> of course
0: I do it <laughs> um, Okay uh, So do you have a couple of faves Just sitting on your nightstand right now A couple
1: favorite authors um, Well I really love Juno Diaz um, mm. I've been Yeah a huge fan of his Since his first collection Drown Which is sort of like an incredible collection And I, can't, I still always marvel That that was a first book um, and so he's been a huge inspiration, um, or influence on me for a long time. And then you mentioned that I just interviewed Britt Bennett for the Sydney Writers Festival yeah. and her, it's another debut book, but her, her novel, The Mothers, is just, again, it's just so accomplished and, um, yeah, just the writing is beautiful and it's, it's a great book. And it get, like, I, I still also with that one, can't believe it's the first book. So mm-hmm. I think those are the two that's sort of like a, yeah, it's like an, an early perennial favorite and then like a new discovery. And that's why And but it's her first book and she just published it. So, Brit yeah. so at the, when I interviewed her, I, like my last thing was just like, what are you working on next? And can you please hurry up? because <laughs> That's <laughs> I cool. Want the next one. That's yeah. so cool.
0: All right. well before we wrap up with your advice to your fellow scribes on how to keep going um, I'll wrap with this fun one If you could choose any author from any era for an all-expense paid dinner to your favorite place in the world who would you take and where would you take them?
1: Hmm, That's a good one Um, I think, I don't know why I I guess I've been thinking about Sylvia Plath a little bit recently so Hmm. I think I would choose Sylvia Plath just because um. Yeah. She's. Um. I, maybe I didn't even need to give a reason. So I'll just say <laughs> <over your> Sylvia <laughs> And um, I don't have a specific restaurant in mind, but it would be great to go to a fancy one where there's just like dozens of small courses that they kind of bring out with wine pairings Hmm. because that would just mean that the, I think those meals go for like hours and hours and hours and I'm trying to get like as much time with (laughs) (laughs) Sylvia Plath as I can. Um, 12 course. Yeah, exactly. Some kind of like, yeah, fancy. And hopefully I should have, yeah, I should really research this and find out which restaurant would fit this description. But I guess somewhere kind of quiet because I don't want to be like, yeah, shouting at, um, <laughs> Sylvia Plath like <laughs> trying to be heard over like the baseball game that's playing in the background or something like right. that. So, um, <laughs>
0: Not a sports bar, in other words, with the 12, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah. But that seems like meal. someone should write a whole book about just being at a sports bar with Sylvia Plath <laughs> or at least a poem. That seems there you like go. a good setup. <laughs> Boom.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Um, all right. Well, uh, can you offer your fellow writers um, – any advice on how to keep going, how to keep the ink flowing and the cursor moving?
1: Um, Another good question. I guess like, as you mentioned, writers are neurotic and I think I'm, <laughs> I stay very true to that. Um, so I guess that I always do this thing where I'm kind of like, maybe I shouldn't even be a writer. And I do this whole, like this, this was especially true. I think before I, finish my first book so I guess I'm speaking to maybe like authors who are working towards their first um towards finishing their first book but Mm -hmm. um yeah I think I always do this thing where I'm kind of like maybe I shouldn't even do it and I'm gonna give up and what else could I do and I sort of like go through all of these like mental gymnastics and then at the very end of it all it's almost like I kind of have to almost decide that I'm gonna quit or it can be the same for like a piece of like just one piece of work so I'll like be working on a short story and I'm like and I've been working on it for like weeks or months and I'm like no I'm just gonna throw it out it's not working and yeah and then kind of inevitably I always kind of decide okay no I'm I still want to be a writer or like I you know like when I'm almost about to throw it out I'll like work out how to fix the story or decide that I'm gonna keep going with it so I think that one thing I've been trying to do is just be like just cut through all of that and just think like okay I'm not gonna like waste a bunch of hours just you know like researching other jobs i am just going to be a writer (laughs) and also like Hmm. i'm not going to throw out this piece of work and i think i personally have like saved a lot of anxiety and time just think just realizing like okay it's like a cycle that i always go through when i come back to the same thing so i'm just going to assume that i am going to finish this and i'm just going to assume that i am still going to be a writer (laughs) so i think that my advice would just be for other writers to just like yeah just um kind of you can't really do away with the, with the doubt, the self-doubt, but just to kind of like have that as a baseline of like you're going to finish whatever you're working on and you are going to be a writer. And just trust me that like all of the anxiety and all of the anxious thoughts that you would think in the middle are going to lead you right back to where you are now. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if that's helpful, but that's just something I've been trying to work on.
0: Absolutely. Very, very nice. Lock, stock and barrel. <laughs> Abigail Ullman, uh, her acclaimed debut collection of short stories, Hot Little Hands, is available now in paperback in the U.S. I will link to that, of course. Anywhere else you want to point uh, listeners to find you, your writing out there?
1: Um, Not really. I mean, the book is out in, yeah, UK, U.S., Germany, and Australia, and with four different and very cool covers. You should totally collect them all, you guys. And <laughs> they're like, <Yes>. that would be <laughs> something (laughs) garbage fail i don't know what collectible and then um that's it really i'm on twitter abigail e Alman, and instagram and yet to move on to snapchat but always looking for a tutorial if someone wants to teach me how to do that yeah (laughs) that's pretty much it
0: that's awesome (laughs) all right well hey thank you so much and uh we look forward to your future projects and please come back and chat with us again
1: Thank you. I would
0: love to. This was great. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of a tour of the writer's process. If you enjoy the writer files, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on Apple podcasts to help other writers find us. And for more episodes or just to leave a comment or a question, you can always drop by WriterFiles.fm and chat with me on Twitter at Calton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.